CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. It's Friday, and that means it is time for Options Action. I'm Melissa Lee, joined by Carter Worth, Mike Coe, and Tony Zhang. We are wrapping up another wild five days on Wall Street. Despite posting its worst week since 2020, the S&P 500 managed to gain a little green today heading into a long weekend. Could this be a small sign of things to come next week? Tonight, if you are looking for a rebound, Lockheed could help you lock in some gains while also still offering inflation protection for the longer term. Carter and Mike will tell you why. And Tony takes on Apple, also attempting a play for a bounce in this bellwether. All right, but first, energy and the S&P have become like two sides of a scale within the last five years. With both at their own inflection points, Carter Worth is taking a look at which has more weight right now. Carter. Sure. I mean, what we know, and while mean reversion is not always a good technique, quite often it's right to stick with momentum. When something gets stretched too far, it's usually right to take the road less traveled. People love tech, and of course now they hate it. They loved energy, and guess what happened? It just dropped 22% in a matter of sessions, and now all of a sudden no one wants to talk about it. It registered something that it had never done on the 1st of June, and it's all sort of playing out. Let's look at a few tables and figure it out together. The first, uh, just what do we know? The right column is the thing to focus on. It's the spread over the last five years, so-called how much energy has under or outperformed the S&P. And of course, you see year to date how big that is versus let's say 2020, it's almost the equal and opposite. Um, Next, let's look at the first chart. This is the S&P 500 energy sector. It is as well-defined a channel, two parallel lines as you can have. Energy touched the top of the channel to the penny and failed like literally something falling out of the air. And yet all the while was loved until just hours ago. Let's keep going. The next thing is the most important of all. This is a ratio. A ratio chart is, well, you're not looking at the security itself, a security. It's simply one thing divided by other. It's one of the most basic things in markets, and it depicts relative performance. This is simply S&P 500 energy divided by the S&P. And what we had on the 1st of June was the most extreme reading ever in the history of the data. In fact, more extreme than energy's peak in 08. And so the final chart looks at just that. How far above trend were we? We were some 40% above the 150 million average. That is even higher than tech's relative strength line was at its peak in 2000. Um, Everybody loves it. And now all of a sudden, the love has disappeared. It's quick and fast. But is it over? Probably not. More downside, I should think. All right. Thanks for that, Carter. So, Mike, what's the trade? You know, it's interesting. At the end of FAST, just now you had two participants who had wildly differing opinions on energy. And actually, I think there's some sense in the things that both of them had to say. Uh, is there a potential for further downside in energy? That's not questionable, really. It was the worst performing sector today, and by a lot. Um, and of course, you know, when we take a look, it's, it is still up significantly since the beginning of the year. And there's one other thing I would add, which is that it is an old saw in commodities that the cure for high prices 
is high prices. And we're starting to see that now. People are talking about a recession. Steve is talking about a recession. And this would be a big contributing factor for that. And that's one of the reasons that oil prices got hit as hard as they did today. However, some of the fundamental energy drivers remain. U.S. production is more than 12% below its all-time high and probably 9% or so below on a monthly basis where the average, the 12-month rolling average for U.S. production was. And a reminder to everybody, just recently the United States was the largest oil producer in the world above Saudi Arabia. Right now, options premiums are high. I think the way I would play this right now is not to risk capital in the event that it somehow manages to find a bounce here. I don't think that it will, but instead get some participation to the downside, but also be willing to get long if it gets back to those levels that we saw in January. And we have an options trade that allows us to do that. I was looking specifically at the August 72.65 one by two put spread. When I was looking at this, you could buy the August 72 puts for about $4.63, sell the 65s against you, collect about $2.33 a piece. You'd be selling two of those for every one that you purchase. Consequently, you're not really laying out any premium at all. You're going to get participation to the downside if XLE drops from 72 down to that lower 65 strike price. Beyond that, your profits will begin to fall off until you get down to approximately 58 bucks or so. But here's an interesting thing. That's going to get us very close to the levels at which XLE started the year. And here's the thing, too. If oil prices do decline to the level that would get us back to that, don't you think that some of the naysayers with respect to our economy might start to become more sanguine about it? This is a way that you can participate for some downside, but also be willing to get long XLE down about 22, 23 percent from where it is back where it was towards the beginning of the year. Tony, what's your take? Yeah, so when you look at energy, I certainly believe that last week's highs are the, lo- are the highs we're going to see for quite some time. Uh, but admittedly, I didn't expect the markets to, uh, the XLE to correct as fast as it did this particular week. And I think it's always hard to press new shorts when an ETF is down 17% in a single week, especially when the implied volatilities are as high as they are right now, which is why Mike's trade is extremely creative, allowing him to do all three things, which is have no risk if XLE moves higher, participate to the downside, and get long effectively at that January breakout level. And he's using this ratio spread. And for, for viewers here who may not be as familiar with the ratio spread, you know, one of the ways that you can think about breaking this trade apart is you're buying a 72.65 put spread, and you're paying for that put spread by selling another $65 put. And by selling that $65 put, you have the obligation to buy the stock at that, specific, at that price if the ETF gets below 65 but you are participating to the downside uh, down to that 65 level from that $72.65 put that offsets the risk for that short put down to the 58 level. And that's the level that XLE broke out in January. So you're effectively getting long if the stock, if the ETF gets back to that level. And the fact that you're doing it for no cost means that if you are wrong and, and XLE bounces next week and continues to move higher back to, to recent highs, you have no losses here to the upside. The one thing that is important to understand is that if you do get a move to the downside relatively quickly, you're gonna see at first a paper loss. You have to hold this to the August expiration or towards the August expiration before you start to see some gains because you need to see those $65 puts decay before these uh, start to really come in from from a profit perspective. So those are some of the things to be aware of when you're trading uh, a ratio spread. 
Carter, no surprise, we saw a big decline in the underlying commodity as well for the week, whether you measure it by WTI or Brent. And I'm wondering if the charts also see a, a similar decline for the commodity itself. Indeed. And, and here's an instance where the markets price in things quickly. We know that in six sessions, crude oil, WTI, went from 90 to 130, up 45%, almost unprecedented. And it was just on the days of the invasion. Four months later, it's still lower. A lot, if not all, of the things that are coming out now were priced in almost instantaneously in that six-session advance. All right. Well, even if you are in the camp that the overall indices are due for a move higher, should you extend that thesis to individual stocks, maybe if they are big enough? And Tony is looking at the big apple, so to speak. Tony. Yeah, that's exactly right. I'm certainly playing for a bounce here in the broader markets, and I'm simply using Apple here as a proxy here for the market. Now, if we look at the chart here for Apple, an important level I think we have to pay attention to is the 130 level that we recently just touched yesterday. And I think that if you look at this level, this is the level that we broke out from, from the, at the end of last year. And the fact that we returned to this level provides a really good risk-reward ratio for long exposure here in the broader markets and in a single name here like Apple. But I think the more important chart here to look at is the relative chart of Apple to the sector, of the technology sector. What we've seen here is since the November sell-off in the broader markets, Apple has outperformed the sector by 17%. Not only has it outperformed the sector, it also has outperformed the market and it's recently pulled back on that relative chart to a level of support. So this is really where I think from a timing perspective, we're going to see Apple outperform both its sector and the market itself. So the and then when you look at the the fundamentals here you know we know that apple has consistently shifted from more of a hardware business to more of a services business now generating more than 30% of their revenue from services now that they've sold over a billion iPhones and the ability to, to capture that market and sell uh, reoccurring revenue through subscriptions that's really where i think that the current multiple that apple's trading at about 20 times next year's earnings is quite inexpensive and i think it justifies a much higher multiple closer to about 30 times earnings if we do rate rate to that level so the trade structure that i want to use takes advantage of this week's volatility apple currently trading at its 85th percentile in terms of implied volatility so i'm going to be more inclined to be selling premium so i'm going out to the uh, to the august uh, to the july 29th weekly expiration and i'm selling the 130 120 put vertical here i'm collecting three dollars and 38 cents for this put vertical which is ten dollars wide that's just about one third of the vertical width that i typically like to collect on a vertical spread and it is a, a vertical spread that's about a dollar fifty already out of the money so it's slightly out of the money and that's why i'm accepting a, a slightly lower uh, percentage of the vertical width on this put spread Carter, do you see a bounce in the cards for Apple? Well, I think Apple's going to do what the market's going to do, and the market's going to do what Apple's going to do. In that sense, um, it's a, it's about playing for a general bounce in the general market, and Apple, by being the largest, will be a big part of it. Uh, market is uh, due for an important bounce. And Mike, do you like this trade? I, I do like the trade. I mean, this is the toughest thing in the world to do to try to take you know a, a modestly bullish position in a market like this one. But the fact of the matter is that there is a bottom somewhere. I don't know whether this is it or not, or whether we're going to get that bounce. But by selling a put spread, you actually are limiting your risk to the distance between the strikes, less the premium collected, which in this case 
is actually not a whole lot relative to the price of Apple. So this is a way to essentially look to collect some of that elevated premium we're seeing right now. Still to come, have your cake and eat it too. We've got a name that is both defensive in more ways than one. Hint, hint. And it poised, it's poised to bounce. That's next. And for everything Options Action, check out our website and newsletter. Much more Options Action, the show, right after this. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Options Action. We've been talking a lot on this show about how you can use options to limit your risk to two things recently, inflation and the potential of a recession. What if we told you there's a stock out there that is resistant to both? Well, you're in luck. Myco is here to tell us why, how to use one very defensive name to play offense. Mike, take it away. Yeah, that's exactly right. I, I think there's defense in defense. And, you know, one of the other things, of course, is that we have a real fundamental driver here when we talk about especially the big defense names. So for one thing, uh, I don't need to remind anybody, we have a war going on in Europe. These elevated geopolitical risks essentially are going to create a floor for defense spending. And in the case of many Western European countries like Germany and so on, we are hearing them talk about finally increasing their defense spending. The other thing I would say is that as a sector, this is very attractively valued. I happen to be looking at Lockheed Martin and this one is particularly attractively valued. And we're going to look at that in just a second. But the important thing to remember about this as a group is that they tend to be recession resistant. Take a look at some of these names and see what happened to their revenues during the credit crisis and most other sort of economic pullbacks that we've seen. And they remain static. These are long-term contracts that they enter into. And about those contracts, they tend to be insulated from inflation because in many cases, unfortunately for taxpayers, but fortunately for shareholders, they're able to pass along some elevated costs that they have. So if we take a look at Lockheed Martin in particular with respect to their valuation, this thing is trading about 13.6 times earnings. Now, this is a a name and a sector that often trades at a discount to the market, but even so, it's trading at a very handsome discount to itself. Its average 10-year valuation, much closer to 15.8 times. So we're more than two times cheaper. And I think If you're, again, kind of as Tony is sitting here looking at Apple, we are looking at a name that has pulled back pretty significantly just recently, but it's pulled back right to that level where the stock was essentially before Russia invaded Ukraine. This is an attractive entry point to my eye. So I was looking out to September, buying the 400 calls and arguably making Elon Musk happy, helping to finance that by selling the July 420s for about 360. Net net, I'd be laying out about $16.80 to put this trade on. That is less than 5% of the current share price. This is gonna give me some upside exposure. This also should help alleviate some of the concern for those people who are thinking that there might be further downside in equities right now. Uh, But this is a way that you can take advantage also of elevated options premiums. You got a good chuckle out of Tony, that's for sure, on that 420 comment. (laughs) Carter, what are your thoughts on the charts here? Right, just what Mike said, uh, it's down to a level where rebound potential is high. 
let's look at a table of performance and then uh, examine the charts. What do we know? Year to date, what's always important is how something is behaving relative to its peers, relative to the market. And so you'll see here um, how well uh, Lockheed is acting relative to uh, its sector, industrials, relative to the market, and of course, relative to the S&P aerospace and defense sub-industry group, which includes things like General Dynamics and Northrop Grumman and Raytheon and so forth. So what we have is a good uh, circumstance vis-a-vis -vis other choices that are relevant. Now let's look at the chart. What do we know? The first chart is a two-panel chart. What's important is the relative performance. The stock has just sold off 18%. But look at the bottom panel. That is relative performance to the S&P. The relative line is going straight up. And you could do that for the industrial sector or for the aerospace and defense sub-industry group. Relative performance to all is impressive. And then just a simple chart. Uh, look at the LMT chart. No drawings, no judgments, no annotations, no arrows. Now let's put one in, put two in. Final chart. These are quotes from 1940s. Stock currency index commodity that breaks out from well-defined tops at a common level that falls back to said tops is at an identifiable buy juncture. And that's exactly what LMT is. Tony, 420 call aside, do you like the overall trade? Uh, I like the overall trade. I think this is one of those trades where the technicals and the fundamentals align really well. This is about as perfect of a breakout retracement opportunity as you could possibly find where the risk to reward ratio is heavily skewed in your favor. My take is that you're probably going to see about a 440 target here to the upside, so about 10% upside from where we were trading earlier today. Now, the outperformance chart, the, the, the relative chart to the industrial sector, that's really the most important part. The fact that this stock is up over 50% relative to its sector from November. That's the important part for this, pull, uh, for this pullback opportunity. And just a comment on the 420 strike price. I do like the diagonal structure, but typically when we use these types of structures, I like to be a little bit more conservative on the strike price that I'm selling against the long call that I'm buying here. I typically would look at about a 20 delta strike price for July, which happens to be about the 430 strike. And for that, you're only gonna spend about an extra dollar for this diagonal spread. But the thought process behind that is that you're gonna get $10 more in upside for that extra $1 that you're paying. And on a $400 stock, that's only 25 basis points more of the stock's value they're paying for a substantially more upside in my opinion. So just a small adjustment that I would make simply based on uh, where my price target Target here for Lockheed Martin, which is towards that 440 level. All right, up next, crawlers and credit cards. We're taking a look back on two of Tony's trades to take some profits and reset for the next leg. More options action right after this. Here's a tip for your money, your future. For investors, navigating inflation requires having a well-diversified portfolio with growth and value stocks to help boost total returns, along with interest from cash and bonds. Dividend-paying stocks that pay a consistent dividend also can help weather market volatility. A dividend is a portion of a company's earnings that are paid out as a reward to shareholders, often by companies that have strong, predictable cash flow. So even as stock prices slide, holdings that pay a steady dividend may offer some stability. For CNBC, I'm Sharon Epperson. Welcome back to Options Action. Time for some lookbacks. A few weeks ago, Tony started on a series of shorts to press. The first strong performer he thought was then due for a pullback was Visa. So, Tony, it looks like you got that. So what's the move now? 
Yeah, so we use a debit spread in this particular trade. It's below the short strike. If you use multiple contracts, pull half the positions, take partial profits. If you only traded one, take full profits and move on. All right, um, Tony, you had a same take on a very different name, Caterpillar. Same result in a little less time, so now what? Yeah, exact same trade structure. We're just a couple of dollars short of that short strike, so exact same uh, view. Take partial profits if you've traded multiple contracts. If you traded only a single contract, it's time to close out that trade. All right, let's get to some tweets now. Our first viewer asks, what are your thoughts on Next Point Real Estate Finance? It pays a good dividend, but I'm... Um, I'm something about real estate. We're missing a word there in that I am worried about real estate in the short and midterm. Carter. <laughs> sure. But first, it's important that this is a very small stock micro cap. Uh, two, um, it is controlled effectively. 39 percent of the float of a 200, 300 million dollar market cap is by one firm, Highland. Regardless of that, um, the dip, I think, is OK. And the relative performance during the dip is good compared to other REITs. And again, you have sort of an anchor tenant here. This firm is based in Dallas. Its largest shareholder at 40% of the float is in Dallas, and it's come down to a point where I think it bounces. All right, let's move up on market cap here. Next tweet is on Amazon. Can you advise any options trading opportunities for Amazon after the split? I'm looking to open put trades for $100. Mike. Okay, so if you're taking a look, I don't know, at the 100 strike put, or if you're talking about how much premium you're going to spend, the 100 strike put in July cost you about three bucks, but that's well out of the money. Right now, options premium is in about the 92nd percentile, making it a little bit more expensive. I would look to put spreads rather than outright puts here. I was looking maybe at the 103. 90 uh, if you're looking as short dated as July, but you might want to consider going a little bit longer dated than that. All right, up next, the final call. Time for the final call, Carter Worth. Reduce your exposure to energy, redeploy capital to LMT. Tony Zhang. Playing for a bounce here in the market with Apple as a proxy, selling a put vertical spread. Mike Co. I like defense in defense, Lockheed Martin, and also one by two put spreads in XLE. All right, we'll see you back here next Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. Happy Father's Day, everyone. Mad Money starts right now. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.